Our reading will be in uh, Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 18. Uh, you can look at it on the Pew Bibles, page 1161. Paul's chains advance the gospel. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others do out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former priests the former priest Christ preached Christ out of the selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. Well, what does it matter? The important thing is, is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. You may be seated. Uh, I'd like to introduce our guest speaker today, Aaron. And his wife, Amy, and their two boys. Uh, Aaron was a former pastor at Choke Baptist Church, and we do welcome those that are visiting from Choke here today. Aaron, come up here and lay the word on to us. Easy, though. I was telling Matt with uh, Bob reading the scripture for me, half of the job is already done. So uh, I guess I'm just going to open up with a word of prayer and, and begin. And I just want to thank you all for the opportunity to, to be able to come up here and to serve and to share God's word with you. So let's open in a word of prayer. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for another day of life, Lord. We thank you for this beautiful day that you've blessed us with. And Lord, we do ask that you would be with Pastor Matt and everybody who's serving you in the Dominican Republic, Lord. We just pray a special blessing for them and for the hearts and everyone who's going to be there to hear the gospel message. Father, I just pray that you would be with me today, Lord. I ask that your Holy Spirit would speak truth through me. I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So I have to ask you a question because this goes along with what I'm going to be talking about today. Has anybody here today never tasted a coca-cola in their life i, I want to see your hand if you haven't okay this is important a little bit you know that coca-cola when it was first established had the goal of having every person in the world taste a coke according to a survey that came out in 2015 71 percent of the world has heard of the name coca-cola 62% of the world has seen a Coca-Cola bottle or a picture of the brand on a sign. And 51% of the world has tasted a Coca-Cola. The point of this illustration is that Coca-Cola came into existence on January 29, 1892. 
and they are well over half their way of achieving their goal of having everybody in the world taste a Coca-Cola. And they've only been around for a little over 130 years. Christianity has been around for almost 2,000 years. How are we doing? What are our numbers looking like? Allow me to share with you some Christian statistics according to Wikipedia, which says this. There are 2.2 billion Christians in the world out of 8 billion, which is a little over 25% of the Earth's population who claim to be Christian. How come Coca-Cola is more successful when Christ offers something so much better and so much superior? When I read those statistics, it really bothered me. Now, for one, I do not believe that there are 2.2 billion born-again Christians. I just don't believe that. Just because you claim to be a Christian, it does not make you one. You must personally place your faith and trust in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ on your behalf. It's hard because that takes admitting that you are a sinner in need of a Savior. That requires humility to humble yourself and to cry out to God and ask for forgiveness. But if you will do that. Christ can and will wonderfully save you from your sins. We just need to repent. We need to change our mind about who Jesus is and what he has done for us on the cross. Why is Christianity losing to Coca-Cola? Allow me to share with you 10 very scary statistics concerning the state of Christianity here in America. This is from an article written by Pew Research Center on October 17th, 2019, which says the following. Number one, 75% of regular church attenders do not believe that sharing their faith is important. And 45% of Christians have never shared their story of how they came to know Christ with anyone. Number two, atheists and agnostics have scored 15% higher on their knowledge about Christianity than evangelical Christians. The unsaved know more than we do. Number three, 25% of Americans say that they are done with church. Over half of Americans say that they are done with God, they being known as post-Christians. 44% of them say that God plays no role in their life whatsoever. Number four, the trust that Americans have for their faith leaders and their pastors fell to a record low of 37% in ranking, putting them below most medical professionals, teachers, police officers, and barely above the media journalists. That's saying something. 93% of practicing Christians aren't comfortable enough to have a conversation about the Lord with their own grandchildren. Number six, 69% of churchgoers believe that everyone will go to heaven. That is because more than 50% of evangelicals believe that there is more than one way to heaven. Folks, there is only one way, and that is through Jesus Christ. There is no other way. 
Number seven, 70% of unchurched people have never been invited to church a single time in their entire life. Number eight, 51% of churchgoers do not believe that sharing their faith is an essential obligation of their Christian life. That is because 51% of the U.S. churchgoers say that they have never heard the term Great Commission. If you haven't heard that today, you're going to hear more about it. Number nine, 77% of all Americans believe that salvation is a personal effort and a result of good works. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 would beg to differ. It is by grace that we are saved, not by works. And number 10, 50% of those in church last Sunday cannot remember a single spiritual insight from the sermon. So it's my goal today to make sure that y'all take at least something away from this that y'all can tell Pastor Matt about when he gets back, all right? And I'll call and ask him, okay? What I think is really disturbing about this is that this survey came out in 2019. This is pre-pandemic statistics. I can only imagine what the numbers are now. I heard on the TV a few weeks ago that there has been a poll that if Christianity continues in the trajectory that it is going, that by 2070, only 20% of the people in America will even know the name of Christ if the trajectory continues as it is. Why? Why is that happening? I believe it is because the church in America as a whole has lost sight of what the gospel is. The church in America, because we've lost sight of the gospel, we've lost sight of Jesus Christ. And we have failed to seize the opportunities to share our faith in Christ with others, and therefore we have failed in carrying out the Great Commission. This morning we're going to take a closer look at what the Apostle Paul did to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are going to learn some of the lessons that he shared with the Philippian church and glean off of the wisdom of someone who was sold out for Jesus Christ. So if you're not already there, we're going to be in Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 18. We're going to be considering two key points that Paul will bring out that will help us understand the need of sharing Christ with everyone in every circumstance. So the first point is found in verses 12 through 14. We need to seize every opportunity we can. Seize every opportunity we can. Let's look at verse 12. But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. What are some of these things that happened to Paul? Well, as he journeyed to Rome, we can see from the book of Acts in chapter 28 that Paul had been shipwrecked, been around a lot of sickness, bitten by a venomous snake, beaten on the way there, and called a heretic by the Jews, to name a few things. To say that Paul suffered for the cause of Christ is an understatement. And is that not in fact what God told Paul? That he was going to know him through the sufferings that he was going to bring in his life. You know, I don't see Paul crying about it though. I don't see Paul making a fuss about what had happened to him. 
Instead, he uses these experiences, his own persecution and the present imprisonment that he has in Rome to present the gospel of Jesus Christ. The lesson we can learn from Paul here is that we don't need to allow our circumstances to dictate or cause to be a hindrance of our sharing the gospel with people. Paul used these trials to advance the gospel. In verse 12, Paul appears to be making every attempt to ensure the Philippian believers that even though he was in prison for his faith, those chains are for Christ. Another wonderful truth regarding Paul's situation is that the gospel message cannot be hindered by human constraints. Chains do not stop the message of Jesus Christ. A closed mouth can stop it. A life that is not lived for him can stop it. But physical human restraints cannot. We know from the book of Acts that Paul's imprisonment was not due to him from committing any crime, especially one that would bear the death penalty like the Jews wanted to do to him. Paul says in verse 13 that my chains are for Christ and my chains are in Christ. You know, I sat under a pastor while I was in college and he asked an interesting question and I'm sure you've heard this before. But was Paul chained to the Roman guards or were the Roman guards that were watching Paul divinely chained to him? It kind of makes you wonder, right? Paul mentions that the whole palace guard, the whole palace guard and all the rest knew that his chains were in Christ. They understood that Paul had a firm commitment to Jesus Christ. And we see from scripture that Paul used every opportunity that came his way to share the love of Jesus Christ with others. To everybody who was willing to listen and to perhaps to some of those who were forced to listen. Some serious questions for us to consider today as we walk out of the doors of this church. Is do people outside the church know that you're a Christian? Is our faith in Christ common knowledge amongst the people of our community? If not, are we truly doing what Christ has called us to do? We need to seriously consider these questions. Not only are the eternal destinies of our fellow countrymen in jeopardy, our own testimonies for Christ could be called into question if we're not acting and living like Christians. Verse 14 says, Most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, As you see, Paul says that not every Christian was willing to go out and share the gospel, but most of them were. Most of them were becoming confident. And I believe that is because the Apostle Paul was a true leader in the faith. So much so that he encouraged others to have a bold witness about Jesus Christ, no matter the cost. Are we the type of Christian that encourages others to go out and share their faith by how we live our lives and what they perceive of us. 
Paul writes that they had become confident by my chains. The word confident here refers to a trust being placed in something or convincing through persuasion. In some cases, it refers to an absolute conviction. This trust comes through Paul's imprisonment. This conviction comes through knowing what the apostle has gone through. And this persuasion comes through his faith in Christ as it remained unwavering, no matter what the circumstance was. Therefore, everyone who looked at Paul could conclude with confidence that this man believed in Jesus Christ, that Paul's faith in Christ was real. Even though Paul was in prison and unable to minister wherever he pleased, we see that other believers in Christ took up the baton and began to step out in faith, step up to the plate and boldly speak the word of God in Paul's place. This was a rallying of believers to the cause of Christ. To be courageous in their faith and to share their faith in Christ Look at verse 14, without fear, to share the word of God without fear. Why is that important? Because fear itself can be very dehabilitating, right? Fear itself can cause us to act outside of our normal character because fear can be tormenting. Fear can prevent us from serving God as he has called us to do. Allow me to share with you what the Bible tells us about fear in 1 John chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. It says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. There should be no fear when our focus is where it needs to be. And our focus needs to be on the love in which Christ loved us. If we do that, we will not fall victim to a spirit of fear. As Christians, we have opportunities. And as the opportunities come, we need to boldly proclaim Jesus Christ and him crucified. You know, in our country right now, there is not a threat of going to jail that should make us fearful of proclaiming Christ. But my friends, if our country continues to go the way it's going, it is quite possible that many of us may end up in prison for our faith. The question is this, are we going to allow God to use us as he pleases? In order to see others come to Christ, would you be willing to be put in chains if that meant your brothers and sisters would be encouraged? If that meant that your loved ones who are unsaved might be saved, would it be worth it? Keep that in mind as we move to the final key point of the message this morning, which is what are the motives? behind the preaching of Christ. We need to seek every opportunity, but what are the motives? Look at verse 15. Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife, 
and some also from goodwill. There are two types of people that Paul are talking to the Philippians about. There are some who are preaching Christ out of envy and strife and some out of goodwill. Now concerning this topic, I'd like to share a quote with you from Anders' commentary, which says this, quote, Paul's difficulties spawned missionary zeal based on two types of motives, selfishness and goodwill. Seizing the opportunity of the moment, some envied the success that God had given Paul, while others wanted to be a part of what God was doing through Paul. Both gave people the good news of Christ's gospel, end quote. So let us consider these two groups of people mentioned here by the Apostle Paul. The first group of people preached Christ out of envy and strife. These were jealous people. Now, I'm not sure why they were jealous. Perhaps it was because they wanted the same type of admiration and prestige as Paul. And let me tell you something. There are a lot of pastors who fall victim to this. I just wish I could be like this person. Or if I just had a ministry like Billy Graham, then I would be successful. It's not what the Bible says. On the other hand, they may have simply been stirring up contention to make Paul's ministry look bad so that their ministry would look better. There are preachers that do that today, believe it or not. Speculation aside, I believe this is nothing more than malicious slander designed to belittle Paul in order to build themselves up. However, at the same time, there were people who were sharing the message of the gospel in goodwill. You know what's amazing is only God can take this type of situation and turn it around for his honor and for his glory, right? Even if the motivations are selfish, God still turns it and uses it for his honor and glory. Some were preaching Christ out of goodwill. The goodwill mentioned here refers to the desire to please. The second category of people here had a desire to be pleasing to their Lord by doing what he has called every born-again Christian to do. That is to share the gospel, the good news about what Jesus Christ did. You know, the last thing that Jesus mentioned to his disciples, according to the gospel of Matthew, was this. This is the Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. Jesus said this. Jesus spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. How many of us can honestly say that we excel at this area in our Christian lives? When was the last time you shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with somebody? When was the last time you took out your Bible and shared something from the scriptures with someone? When is the last time you mentioned Jesus' name in a conversation outside of church? If you have done these things, what was your motivation in doing them? Was it out of goodwill and a desire to please your Savior? 
or was it the latter? And if you have not been doing these things, then why not? Why would Paul take the time to bring this point up? I believe that Paul addressed this issue here to assure the Philippian brethren that both group of people, even though their methodology and their motives may have been different, the good news of the gospel was being shared. And for that reason, Paul could be pleased even while he was in prison. Verse 16 says, The former preached Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my chains. Paul continues to identify these people that have the wrong motives, who seek to exalt themselves primarily because they have selfish ambitions. The selfish ambitions here implies a rivalry. Not on the part of Paul, but on the part of these other people. Now, even though they were still proclaiming Christ, they did not promote the gospel in sincerity. Rather, they sought to further their own selfish ambitions with the intention of adding affliction to Paul. That's pretty low, in my opinion. The word affliction here emphasizes the fact that they wanted to distress Paul while he was in these chains. You know, it doesn't say in the Bible that these people were not saved. So why on earth would any Christian want to do that to their brother or sister in Christ? It just doesn't make sense to me. Was it to make Paul think that they had taken over or that they replaced him as a minister? I don't know. What we can glean from this is that the purpose was done so that Paul would be disheartened. However, it did not have its intended effect. Rather, Paul was encouraged that people would preach Christ even if he could not perform the way that he wanted to. What I'm saying here is that Paul had the correct perspective. In reality, Paul was not going to be around forever, right? Someone was going to have to preach the gospel message if Paul died. Folks, that's our reality today, too. None of us are going to be around forever, right? We're all going to die someday. Are we preparing the next generation to take up the baton for us and to continue giving the message of Christ to a lost and dying world? We need to be ready to do this because that is the only way we will be able to fulfill the Great Commission. Verse 17 shows us the motivation of who were preaching Christ out of goodwill. These were motivated by Paul's example, so they preached the gospel with the right motives. For their motives, verse 17 says, was done in love. Such love flows out to Paul, and this type of love flows out to unbelievers who are needing the gospel. This love ultimately proves that they had a relationship with God. What does Jesus say? 
they will know you are my disciples by how you love one another. The true test of showing that you are a true disciple of Christ is how much you love your brothers and sisters in Christ. If you're doing your job as a Christian, folks, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. You're going to suffer. That's what Jesus says. No servant is greater than the master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. But I want to tell you that there is a blessing attached with that that the Lord himself tells us about in Matthew chapter 5, verses 11 and 12. He says this, Blessed are you when they revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Persecution for the Christian is not anything new or unheard of. We just need to be ready when we're doing what God has called us to do. Verse 18, some Christians wanted to harm Paul's ministry. Others wanted to share in the victory of Paul's ministry. In the midst of all this, Paul was not concerned about himself. He was concerned about others. He remained strictly focused on the gospel of Jesus Christ and getting that message out to all who would listen. In every way that Christ was being preached, Paul found the opportunity and the occasion to rejoice. Paul was delighted, even though he was chained up. In fact, Paul was so delighted that he mentions it twice. And I've shared this before in the past, that any time the Bible says something twice, especially in the same breath, in the same sentence, pay very close attention to what is happening here. I rejoice, yes, and I will rejoice. The gospel message of Jesus Christ was advancing, even though Paul physically could not. In closing, I'd like to share with this final thought from Holman's commentary, which says this, quote, Even though the gospel was being proclaimed with mixed motives, the message, nevertheless, was Christ. Even wrong motives can result in actions that let people come to know who Jesus is. So Paul emphasized the results, not the reasons, and rejoiced. End quote. You know, going back to the Coca-Cola illustration that I used, during the summertime, they have a really special marketing tool that they like to use. I don't know if you've noticed this, but during the summertime, the Coca-Cola bottles come out and it says, share a Coke with, and it has someone's name on it. You know, share a Coke with Bob, share a Coke with Marsha. The reason they wanna do this is so that they can increase the number of people who have tasted Coke. They're trying to fulfill the goal that they had. What I think our goal needs to be as Christians as we go into this summer is to have this be the summer of Jesus Christ. Folks, as we turn and leave here this morning, we are walking out into the mission field that God has put us in. We need to consider, has everyone in our community been given the opportunity 
to taste and see what Jesus Christ offers? Have they had an opportunity to taste and see how good he is? As I mentioned before, we need to be in prayer for Pastor Matt as he has gone to the Dominican Republic to advance the gospel. We need to be praying for the hearts of those people who will perhaps for the very first time hear the good news of Jesus Christ. We need to pray that the message of the gospel falls on fertile soil and that the Holy Spirit convicts the hearts of these people of their need for Jesus Christ. It wouldn't be a true message about advancing the gospel if I didn't share the gospel with us. The gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen? Unfortunately, it starts with some bad news first. The bad news is, is that we are all sinners who have fallen short of the glory of God. There is none of us who are righteous, no, not even one. So we're in a little bit of a predicament. But God loved us so much that he would send his only begotten son to die on a cross for us. To take the punishment of our sins that we could not take for ourselves and pay for ourselves and wipe the slate clean by placing your faith and trust in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ on your behalf. Jesus died to save us from our sins, folks, but he did not stay dead forever. On the third day he rose from the dead, was seen by over 500 brethren before he ascended back to his Father in heaven. And the good news is, folks, that he is coming back for us again. He's not going to leave us as orphans. He's given us his Holy Spirit so that we can do the job here. But one day he is coming back for us. And the Bible says everybody who has that hope in them purifies himself just as he is pure. That's the gospel. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ on our behalf. Folks, I believe that the window to share the gospel the way we always have in this country may quickly be drawing to an end. In fact, I heard yesterday that they have completely banned the Bible in all schools below a high school level. Folks, it's getting dark. But as it gets darker, our lights can shine brighter. Amen. We need to take every opportunity that we have. We need to seize every opportunity that we have to share the gospel with someone. And maybe, just maybe, we will be privileged enough to see the Lord do a miracle. To save a sinner and right before our very eyes transform them into a saint. I'd like to encourage you today, if perhaps this is the first time you've ever heard the gospel message and you would like to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, that you would come forward and accept him today as your Lord and Savior. As I mentioned in the beginning, it takes humility to come up and admit you're a sinner and to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. But I promise you, it is the best decision you will ever make in this life. If you were here this morning and perhaps you were convicted a little bit about how you haven't been sharing the gospel correctly, 
and you'd like prayer for that, or perhaps there is someone that the Lord specifically laid on your heart while I was preaching this message and you'd like me to pray for them, I would be more than happy to pray for your loved ones or your friends or whoever they are. And if the Holy Spirit lays anything else on your heart that you'd like to let me know, uh, please come forward and let me know.